Well, JM, that's also another thing we should put at. Well, JM, there's, a, there's, there's another thing. How about I try it? Yes, please, please, please. <laughs> When all else fails, JM will do the intros. Yes. Welcome to the What's Your Baseline podcast. In this show, we talk about our experiences and lessons learned in enterprise architecture and business process management. What's Your Baseline is designed to be for everyone. Newbies who are just getting started with these topics, organizations who want to improve their EA and BPM groups and the value they get from it, as well as practitioners who want to get a different perspective and care about the discipline. Each episode will tackle different key topics, providing context, background, best practices, and stories from the road, inviting you to learn from our challenges and successes, and demonstrating key tools to help you set up your practice and get the most out of it. I'm your host, Roland Wold, and I'm joined today by my co-host, J.M. Erlinson. Hey, J.M., how are you doing today? Not too bad, Roland. I'm actually having a pretty darn good day. It's a nice Labor Day weekend for those tracking the time when we record these things. And it's been quite a quite a relaxing moment to just take a breath. I feel like we're caught up in all this chaos and the the, the rabbit or hamster wheel of work. And it's good to take a moment, maybe spend some time with family, take a breath of fresh air. And that's what I'm all about. How you doing? I agree with you on all points that you mentioned. You know, I think it's important to take a couple of days off and just find some balance and figure out what do you want to do, right? Yeah. In our case, uh, what do we want to talk about? And <laughs> I think uh, we have a, a topic that sometimes I feel we've, we've ridden that horse way too long. But uh, at least for now, today's topic is talking about process mining again. And mm. uh, in that area, obviously, one of the first questions that people have is, which tool should I use? You know, how do I choose the right process mining tool? And, and what do I have to look for? Well, it's funny, we wouldn't have done this episode if we didn't get good feedback. And first and foremost, thank you to all of our audience members for giving us their feedback, sending us messages. We, we love hearing from everyone. And the very practical question of how to select a process mining tool has come up a few different times. And what, what I've gotten back, I'm sure you have as well, Roland. And I know it's a tough decision you're looking at. You've got a technology concept that you want to put into a platform that you can actually use for your company. Mm -hmm. And it's risky. You know, a lot of people haven't given you all the information. This isn't an incredibly mature whole segment of the marketplace. So the truth is you'll mostly be making an educated guess. And hopefully today's episode will help give you some tips on the kinds of things to look for and specifically how they look to your company. Because, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Roland, but the same process mining tool isn't necessarily good for every company. Oh, no. Yeah, that there's differences there. And, uh, and we will talk about that and have talked about this where the industry <laughs> is going. You know, it's not necessarily that one size fits all. Right. And, and when people look at the Gartner charts and, and all that type of stuff, which by the way, interesting enough, there will be an inaugural Gartner magic quadrant for process mining tools at some Ooh. point in this year, I guess. So, so that will be interesting to see, uh, what those, um, people think of the yeah. market. Um, and I think you need as an organization, you need to look at what you want, right? And I typically right. compare it, you know, well, sometimes um, everybody wants to have whatever, the Porsche, the Mercedes, the, the, the BMW, <laughs> you know, all those, or, or if you have more coin to spend, the Lamborghinis and Ferraris of the world. You yeah. Know? 
but maybe sometimes you don't need this. Sometimes no. you need a pickup truck, you know, because you have to haul some stuff around or you need a tractor or whatever. So I think it's very important to look at uh, the needs that you have. And we're going to talk about this in this episode, JM. Absolutely. Speaking of which, maybe before we get started, JM, can you do a little intro into what are process mining tools and how do they work yeah. compared to maybe other tools compared mm -hmm. to BI tools? You know, I've yeah. heard that lately, you know, why should I use this? We're using Power BI, you know, right. can, can you give us a little introduction into what process mining tools are? Certainly. And I, we've talked about this in previous episodes. I would encourage you to go and take a look at our whole dissection of what process mining is. We have an interview with, uh, with a product manager for it. We have somebody who does, you know, the analyst reports for this. We have details and process and task mining. Lots of great discussions about this, but just as a, a five minute summary or three minute summary, whatever process mining and, and what it, what it does and how it's different. Process mining is the idea of pulling apart logs of transactions. So the things that happened and turn them into an understandable process model. Mm -hmm. uh, something you can see on the page and something you can get statistics about. Generally, process mining tools tend to look at transactional logs of heavily automated tools, things like ERP, CRMs, those sorts of things, IT, IT service management tools. And it will see the order of steps that happen by timestamp, collect mm -hmm. them by case ID, give you some understanding of what happened by activity name, and then give you an overall picture of the executions as a flow. So how is that flow represented? Usually by a picture, as well as a bunch of accompanying measures and dimensions. Mm -hmm. Measures being, what am I looking to calculate? So things that I can actually you know, run calculations, combinations, counting sums, averages on. Dimensions being, how can I segment the data? So can I slice it by department, by BU, by type of order, by priority, by you know which team is responding to it? Is this a tier one, tier two, tier 1.5? Those sorts of things. So we, so we take a look at all this data and, and put it together. Now, this is a, a very specific offering that differs from conventional BI. A lot of BI, what it'll take is it'll take information and it'll throw it up in the form of dashboards that help you understand the data you're seeing. Um, so it'll usually put those measures and dimensions themselves into just, you know, dashboards, visualizations, the kinds of charts you would expect and be able to evaluate on. You'll be able to sort of see what has happened in the numbers. What mm -hmm. it doesn't do is it doesn't understand how those numbers fit into process. Process mining is very special about that it, is it conceptualizes everything as a sequence of activities rather than simply statistics. So for instance, if you were to take a BI tool and say, how many orders did I have by region? It would give you sort of a bar chart. If you take a process mining tool, it would ask you, how did those orders move between the different steps of completing an order by region? It's a little bit different. You might get the same dashboard on both at a very you know, basic level, you know, mm -hmm. tw 20 orders here, 300 orders there, 15 orders there. But in a process mining tool, it'll tell you, well, in EMEA, we had a, a lot of orders that failed, went to a fail condition because they went through this particular step. The BI tool would not be able to emerge that information out. So it is a very specific capability. And it, what it's doing is it's reconstructing, which BI tools don't do. Um, it's reconstructing that process. I think yeah. that's the key. I think that's the key thing. You know, you get a process diagram as the key deliverable from it. And that helps you with the capability of drilling down and filtering and whatever mm -hmm. 
manipulation you have to do that helps you understanding things. And as we discussed in previous episodes as well, you should have uh, a hypothesis about where you think something goes south in your process once you do the initial analysis and you see right. things in loops and all that type of stuff because that will obviously guide your search for validation. Right. Um, having said that, obviously, if you, you explained the difference between BI tools and process mining. There's a couple of other things that go in and I will link to it in uh, the show notes. One of our dear friends, Helge, Helge Hess, wrote a very good article a couple of months ago about mining uh, that's more than process mining in an organization. Mm -hmm. So things like task mining that you and I have spoken about this multiple times yeah. with Kevin and Ziff. It's just a different source. It's a, it's a, it's a good way of putting it. There, there's some technological implications, but you, at a very high level, it's just a yeah. different source. But there's also, there's also things which I found very interesting because when you want to have a data-driven decision-making, um, you also want to know, well, what are, for example, applications and how are they used so application right. mining you want to understand well how do org units or roles talk to each other right organizational mm -hmm. mining and so on and so forth and, and helge listed a couple of those bullets that i found very very interesting that to my knowledge today as of september 22 <laughs> uh, not a single tool can do this right but i think it's important to have a, a bigger and clearer picture being available Today's conversation is all about getting into this and selecting uh, a, a platform. And hopefully we've, we've illustrated some of the reasons why process mining is really important right now. And for reference, you know, I talk to tons and tons of customers every week. And I, it's probably the number one conversation I have. Despite the fact that I work for a company that sells a lot of different things. The most important conversation and the most frequent conversation I have is people asking about process mining because they see it as a as a substitute or an addition to process modeling. Before we talk about selecting a tool, Roland, I know we had this flare up on on uh, LinkedIn. Tell me why process mining and process modeling are not mutually exclusive. Because oh, I'm yeah. hearing a lot of people say process mining will replace process modeling. Oh, no, 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 no. So, so the formal answer is just like this episode is the counterpart to the episode that we did about how to choose your architecture tool. Um, <laughs> it, your question points to uh, the episode that we had when we were speaking about the process slash solution lifecycle. Right. I think that's the, the key answer that you're looking for here. Yeah. So I think if, if I really, really abstract process management, uh, I see four phases. I see a phase where you try to understand what you have, bring it into a repository and analyze it. And the analysis could be either done by humans, right? What okay. we've done over and over in the past, butcher block paper, map processes out with SMEs and all that type of stuff, or could be done as we've discussed many, many times, data driven, which is process mining, task mining, all that other stuff. Um, then, you have a picture of your as-is with supporting data, what's going well and what doesn't go well. The next step is actually designing the future, right? So mm -hmm. you go and you say, okay, I learned something out of my analysis. What would be a better way to do this? And then things like simulation that we spoke about yeah. and I've written on the blog about kick in to figure out the best future before you actually wrench on it, right? 
um, is the next step. And the third step mm -hmm. then is to do uh, the implementation, which in IT mostly means automation, right? right? And there's different ways of doing this, which I found super interesting. You know, you can have the the old school, I would say outdated heavy hitters, you know, your BPMS systems where you whatever, spend $2 million just to put the infrastructure in place <laughs> and it's super complicated, nerdy document flows, blah, blah. Uh, it could be uh, the poster child for the last five to seven years as James Denning about uh, robotics process automation, right? Yep. Where he had a good ride with. Uh, it could be, um, which I found interesting, the idea of the citizen developer, mm -hmm. right? So low-code, no-code tools uh, where people in the business units do this, which obviously scares IT departments like mm -hmm. hell, right? Because their job is on the line if everybody does that, which I think inevitably the way will go to. Or, which I found super, super interesting, and not only because our our company that I work for spent a gazillion, well, quite, a, <laughs> quite a good coin in that, is voice-triggered automation. Voice-triggered automation. Voice-triggered, which I found very, very interesting. You know, no coding skills required at all. You just tell the damn thing what it's supposed to do, and it does it. And mm. uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure if we think hard enough, we find automation opportunity <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. You know, and somebody has a good idea what else, uh, but that would be there. But I think the third step is automation. Right. And then the fourth step is monitoring. Right. And, and right, you know yeah. that I typically distinguish between the day-to-day -day monitoring. If you're whatever the line manager in a manufacturing organization and you want to know, do I produce the right amount of widgets in the right amount right. of time, the right amount of quality? Mm -hmm. um, but it's also the feedback loop that you get from process mining tools to say, hey, if we realize that a case takes too long or an activity mm -hmm. in that uh, process goes over a certain threshold, go and do something and that do something is not redesign of the process. It's like a bandaid. It's another yeah. level on top of it um, that deals with uh, whatever the failures, if you will. Right. But it's a quick fix. It's not being permanent. So I yeah. think you cannot do um, process mining alone because you miss out the first, the, the middle two steps. Right, you might get the analysis, and you might be able to to do the bandaid, right? The uh, action that's now needed, but you actually don't tackle the underlying problem of how to improve your process and make it better in general. You don't uh, change systems and and implement that positive change in whatever codified workflows and stuff. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest problem with so taking the idea of process mining as modeling is so when you take process mining as modeling and you use it to solve problems you are solving problems with a solution already defined mm -hmm. the way we do it today in the systems we do it in is the way we're going to do it tomorrow we're just going to do it better <laughs> just work harder yeah. just yeah. try harder but when you take that and abstract that into a process model you design with the capability in mind we talk a lot about capabilities here. Mm -hmm. Then you have the ability to implement that and have anything solve that. Now you have choice and freedom, and freedom breeds possibility. But it's it's the same argument that one could make to the automation people, right? You should not automate a process that you haven't redesigned, right? right. And it's the same the same idea there. But JM, well, 
since we're reaching the 20-minute mark, I think it's time for a little break and let our listeners uh, let them sink in what we just discussed, you know, the <laughs> actual why, you know, why do we do all these things? And the questions that I have to you, my dear listeners, are what are the, actually, when you think about the different forms of mining, what are the data-driven things you currently or should in the near future care about? You know, how do you do these things today? And what are your expectations and hope that you might get from the mining activity? We'll leave you a couple of seconds alone uh, listening to the music of our good friends, Jeremy Bowles. And we come back with our segment two, where we talk about the how, in this case, what are things that you should look at when you select your process mining tool. We're back and we are ready to talk about the topic for today in more specifics, give you actual details. Um, and of course, all this stuff you're going to see on whatsyourbaseline.com. So don't worry, you don't have to take notes, but this is going to be a rundown of the features that we think are important, or at least you should look for in a process mining tool. And Roland, I know you got these queued up. Let's run them down and let's talk about what they are what they do, and why they're important. Which brings me into a pickle, because now I have to update the article that you and I are looking at <laughs> from the website. But let's get started. So you mentioned it in the first part. You know, what is the main purpose of uh, process mining? What's the first yes. thing that people look at? It's the, the discovery process. of the process, right? So yeah. you want to have, as a first feature, you want to have a visualization. You want to have your process explorer, right? Mm -hmm. Which is... Obviously, the visualization of the different walkthroughs that you have uh, through your process. And there's some pros and cons in there, how the different tools do this. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute, right? Sure. But the main idea is you have the visualization and for each of the things that you see in the visualization, you get statistics, right? So you have right. the flow and you have auxiliary information like who's doing it and how long did it take and, and all these type of things, right? So um, when I look at this, I can see different forms of analysis just by using the Explorer, right? The right. first thing that I would see is, is obviously the flow itself. So you see all the nooks and crannies, you see the rework that happens, you know, when a task goes into itself and you compare activities to case numbers and all these things. Do you have to have it presented in a certain visual way or is sort of the, the, the world your oyster? That is a very, very good question. Um, I don't want to geek out too much about this. Come on, Roland, geek um, out for us. <laughs> all right. There's three things that, that come to mind. Right now, and that's my critique on on a bunch of process mining tools. Please, the first one is um, those process mining tools have a limitation, which most vendors don't tell you. 
right? So if you think about it, what do we have in that process explorer? You have a combination of nodes, right? Your activities and connections. And there is, uh, in every tool, there's a limitation. But right. I'm, I'm just aware of two tools that actually tell you that there's a limitation. <laughs> so it's just hidden. I had one client, you know, uh, using process mining tool A, don't want to mm -hmm. say which one, right, uh, needs to move on to another one and uh, gave us a data set, right? And then we loaded the data set. We saw all the attributes and, and all that type of stuff. But then the uh, our explorer didn't show up, right? It was just spinning, right? And, hmm. and I reached out to development and said, hey, look, what's going on here, right? And the answer was, well, this is a very complex data set, right? And there's a limitation in our system that it just can show so many nodes and so many connections. Mm. Um, and we, we did a little bit of competitive analysis. We found another tool that actually gave people a, a, an error message, which I appreciated, that says, yeah, we can only display 500 nodes and 500 connections. The hmm. data set that we got from the client was 700 and something nodes and 2,300 connections. Hmm. And then we went back and, and he uh, opened it in process mining tool A and says, yeah, but process mining tool A shows me something. I said, that's correct. It shows you something. Are these 723 nodes that you see here? <laughs> yeah, he looked at it and says, no, it's less than 100. They're lying to me, right? Yeah. So I think one of the features... And that's what we do in our process mining tool is we show a message and say, oh, this is a very complex data set. Apply some filters to it right. so that it can be displayed, right? So we recognize that that there's a limitation. And I think this is something that you should ask if you look for a process mining tool, you know, what are the technical limitations? And everybody understands that there are some, but please communicate it openly. Yeah, that also tries to feed in, you know, when you're taking a look at a feature like that, that shows an error message that pops up, it tries to feed in into your data cleanliness. So it's mm -hmm. giving you some prompts to say, hey, listen, if there are 723 nodes in here, are there actually 723 different steps that we consider valid for this process? Is this actually one process? Or are we looking at something that's perhaps too big for any analysis as a single set? Can you hone this in on a subsection that we can use for analysis, maybe one at a time, and then build an end to end as a process mm -hmm. model rather than have it all in one picture in process mind. Fair, but think about but, it. We'll talk about this in the third segment, right? Think about yeah. how some process mining vendors price their product and they say, Oh, it must be, uh, we, we price it by the process, whatever nah. the process means, right? Yeah. So people save it on money. I you, know. you cannot, well, that's one thing. And it's, quite a coin, right? Sure. To be very honest. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, and I agree with, yes, you could simplify the data model, but do you go to a customer and say, your process is crazy? You know, you need to split it in <laughs> into X so that my tool can do it? No, you don't do sure. this. Right? So sure. I think one could have a reasonable expectation that tools can do quite a lot. And if they don't, just be open communicated. The, the second thing that I, uh, and it was with the same client um, by coincidence that we, we looked at is uh, I'm just aware of one process mining tool that can display concurrent 
activities. Yes. And, it's a and tough one. We, we obviously did the same thing, competitive analysis, you know, how do others do this? And what we notice is they don't. So what happens is concurrency is basically when you think about a simple process, you know, you want to bake a cake, right? Mm -hmm. So your process is preheat oven, prepare ingredients, and then you have three steps, add flour, add butter, add eggs, and it doesn't matter in which sequence you have it, but when you have them, bake the cake and do whatever, right? So if you would see that as a BPMN model, you would have an end operator there. And right. what we notice is the majority of process mining tools cannot show that. They would show you, depending on the timestamp of the activity, um, prepare ingredients and then add flour, add bake cake. Or they would show prepare ingredients, add eggs, bake cake, right? And right. they would give you three variants, right? One flour, one butter, one egg. And I think that's obviously not the reality. So that would be another thing to look at. Uh, same thing, similar thing, when you think about you have uh, an order, and that's a different use case that I have not seen any process mining tool doing this, is when you have an order that has multiple line items. And you right. want to trace the instances of each order, for example. And then at yeah. the end of the day, you come together and you just can't close out the whole order if all the, the children processes are completed, yeah, which I think is the next, the next challenge uh, in the algorithm development doing this. It's also more realistic, you know, when we take a look at exploring a process where a single process may split into multiple sub processes that need to all resolve before you finish it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really, I, I've seen a lot of process mining tools. We're taking a look at the sort of the first feature here, this, this process explorer side. I've seen a lot of process mining tools require that each of those sub line items become their own case ID. Yeah. And so we evaluate a bunch of different individual sub-processes as if it was the whole process. Yes, agreed. A little bit less ideal. Yeah. Which means which means you have a gazillion of variants. Which but, is our second feature. Well, we we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. Hold on. I, I got one more. So so if this is the grievance uh, episode of, of it uh, is, the show. This is, this is the grievance episode of the show. Yes. Then the, the third one is, and, and I, I play plead guilty as charged, right? Until a couple of weeks ago, I would have said uh, animations that child's play, you know, like where you see things moving, the little ants going through a process. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a convert now. Really? And, and um, I think you need to have rich visualization of your processes. I've seen that. And for those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you could see me posting when I think it was Capgemini, and I forgot who else said, oh, we got a 3D process mining prototype. You can walk through your process. And I, I posted like, uh, I don't see the the use in that, you know. And <laughs> and then I got, I saw a process mining tool that does animations. And it's mm. so calm when you see the process and you see the little dots going through the process. And then you see the little loops. And what you get is a, a spatial or time-space relationship. You see how often mm -hmm. this happens, right? And you see when you, for example, in a procure-to-pay process where you see, oh, it takes a week, right, to right. deliver something. You actually see how bottlenecks get built, right? Because you see the dots coming together or you see those rare exceptions going on a loop on the side of the process model and all these things. Mm -hmm. And just having that visualization 
that is eye-opening. So I'm yeah. a convert on this. It's funny. I A lot of simulation tools already do that, which yeah. is weird to say the simulation tools are somehow their features are locked into what they do, whereas process mining tools have not learned from that. I mean, I remember being in college working with simulation tools that did that. And I mean, that's been 15 years, more than that, 20 years. I'll show you a process mining tool after we record this show that does it. <laughs> but I, th I think the most important part of it, this is your process mining tool needs to com communicate things to you in a way that feels intuitive. Yes, the message is find a creative way of visualization. Just to give you another example. Right. Um, you look at a case and that case says, yes, uh, it took a week or it took two weeks to deliver something. And then you go to the next node and it says, oh yeah, after booking this material, you do step X, Y, Z. That happens 30 seconds later. Mm -hmm. um, I know a process mining tool that takes that information. And when you look at the case, you can flip it to a Gantt chart view. If you think oh. Microsoft project, you know, Great. Yeah, yeah. and you see days or weeks or whatever, you can switch between days, weeks, and months. It gives you that, that visualization. Oh yeah. Quick, 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 wait, quick, 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 wait, you know, mm -hmm. and you see it in that. This is eye opening, a creative way of showing this because there's a difference. If you just see it took a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and humans don't, it's like pie charts. You know, humans have a hard time visualizing that. Yeah. Um, but when you see it in a Gantt chart representation, you know, oh, in those two weeks, there's a lot happening in between, right? Where the process basically uh, stalls, right? Until yeah. the next event happens. And I think what you should look for is to, to bring this to a close. Yeah. You should look for, um, the right visualizations. And see if you have creative visualizations, just like the animation or the Gantt chart. Uh, you should look for technical limitations that are there. Mm -hmm. And you should look at, uh, to get the proper representation, things like concurrency, right? Mm. To say, can your tool actually show those cases or does the tool show you something incorrect, right? And that's, right. I think, a big challenge because... Obviously, when you go into a process like BPMN that has all those weird events, you know, and all that stuff that are needed to display what uh, a process in reality could do, that's obviously a challenge for a process mining vendor. And I, I think one other thing I would add on top of that from a process explorer perspective from, from sort of visualization is something that can be affected. I feel like a mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of tools are putting really basic filters on things or you, know, you can, you can like, call up one attribute, but when you can actually affect the visualization, you can change how it looks. That makes it way more intuitive because you're able to see the outcome of your decisions and your little magnifying glass. Yeah. I want to see this. Here's how it looked different on day X with condition X and the, the, the visualization adapts to your use case. And, and speaking of which, uh, dear process mining vendors, have a good preset of uh, visualizations already out of the box. Yes. You know, that you don't have to do this manually. Show me my damn distribution on a line chart. Show it to me <laughs> by day of the week. Show it yeah. to me by hour of the day, whatever, right? Yeah. Make a guess that's easy for a user to understand that they don't have to build it, but build it into your tool. Yeah, because you, you know best practices. You're the vendor. You've mm -hmm. taken the time to see all these clients leverage that in your solution and that makes it so that people have less work to get to good 
Maybe not yeah. to excellent, but to get to good. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's like to stick with my car example, you know, it should have a steering wheel and a transmission and whatnot, you know, make it, make a good guess of your automatic transmission when to shift. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, and we, we spoke about this. The second point, uh, variant analysis. What yeah. is that? Well, so that's a that's an important feature of any process finding tool. What variant analysis lets you do is understand all the different ways your process has run. So all the you know the full paths and the mm -hmm. different ways it's split. What variant analysis lets you do is it understands how common a way of execution is. So usually there's something like a count or aggregation of how often this way exactly happened. Mm -hmm. And it helps you to understand and compare different ways of executing the same process that have different outcomes on KPIs, which mm -hmm. really matters. So you can understand, you know, I, I, for example, I was working with a, a, an oil and gas company and they had a, a, a check step that was, that was part of some processes and there was a variant where they were not doing it. And they said, we think this check step is important And the data said that variant has no noticeable difference in negative outcomes, but it does have a noticeable difference in time. Mm -hmm. And they said, what? Wait, do, do we, we don't have to do that? No, that variant is better than this variant. So variant comparison is also a really powerful tool. And that variant analysis allows you to, to see it from different perspectives of each path of execution and you can also set things like a you can set the happy path so you can say this is what this the variant should be but let's see what where mm -hmm. people have differed from that happy path and see what the costs consequences of those variances are yeah i think the the other benefit of having this is um typically when you go into the design phase you want to have something like an 80 20 rule Right. So right, you should yeah. be able to select all those variants that represent 80% of all your cases, right? yes. which typically when you think about the distribution curve of the variants, it's like a, a hockey stick, you know, it's very yeah, yeah, long yeah. in the tail and you have the single instances oh, and whatnot. Um, so it will be just a, a limited number of variants. And right. obviously you should be able to take what's discovered there, right? Maybe put some filters in there to, to splice and dice it a little bit, you know, by what do we do in region, region A versus region B. But mm -hmm. you should be able to export this, right? And then yes. import this into your design tool so that you don't have to go in your design tool, and we're going to talk about in the integration segment here, that you don't have to redraw the process, right? Yeah. And you get all the data with it, right? Because it's damn computers, not humans. I think it's a big part of the, you know, the value of a process mining tool is, you know, and a feature I think everyone should really be looking for is process mining tools that work hand in hand with process modeling tools. Mm -hmm. And that could be as simple as a, as a, you know, standard file for format export. So you export .ppmn, most mm -hmm. tools import .ppmn. Sure, that's a fine thing. If you have process mining tools out there that are, you know, literally one click sort of, you know, automated ingestion into process modeling tools, that's all the better. That's going to give you fewer barriers to entry from turning a mined out process into next, you know, tomorrow's design, the next mm -hmm. thing to come in this process. Because we want to see this, as, as you mentioned in the first section, as part of a life cycle. Solution design should naturally follow from the, the strategy that comes out of process mining's analysis. I agree. I agree. And, and that talks about the, the next thing is sort of how to make things better. And I think that you know, we've talked a lot back and forth about this, but there, there really needs to have, be, have some sort of 
AI or machine learning based root cause analysis. I think that that's a responsibility that process finding tools are having more and more levied on top of them. You know, machine mm-hmm. learning to figure out where things can get better, how to train a model as to, you know, figure out the, the set, set of conditions that will result in outcomes you want and AI to stack rank and score and give you some ideas of where to look for improvement. Otherwise, it's all manual. And sure, you can be an expert in your process, but even at best, even the best engineer is only going to be making educated guesses. AI can really, really help you hone those in. Yeah, JM, you're absolutely right. I think the problem that we have in, in these times is not that we don't have enough data, we have too much data. Yes. And what we want is obviously the machines helping us make sense of it. What I've seen in, in tools is mostly statistical analysis, mm-hmm. right? Um, I wish that you would have a machine learning, AI, whatever, add-on to it, right? So that you then can also cast a wider net and say, ooh, there are trends out there because I, the root cause analysis bot, you know, scanned the internet and saw, oh, there's some global crisis going on. And because that happened, guess what? In that time frame, your process performance went south. So think about the, the transporter ship that blocked the Suez Canal for a couple of days or weeks last year. Yeah, your supply chain looks bad because of the ever given. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be definitely helpful and would be then a reason why your delivery time in those weeks were bad. You know, it's, yeah. it's things happen, you know. So what I've seen in, in process mining tools, they are typically very focused on the data set that is covered. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see more context information coming in from other sources, just like my example with transporters that get stuck in in kennels, you know? Yeah. Well, then, Roland, I want to want you to talk about the next thing, um, because this is a, another piece of the puzzle talking about tying into process modeling, which is let's talk about conformance. What, what does that mean mm-hmm. and why is that an important feature to include in any process mining tool? Well, if you think about the, the four steps that I mentioned before, analysis, uh, design, uh, automate or implement and monitor, mm-hmm. right? Yep. At some point in time, you obviously go and you define a future state process, how work should be done. Right. Right. And that might not only be triggered by um, process improvement, process efficiency reasons, but it also might be triggered because regulations yeah, force you to do certain things, right? You oh, need yeah, to be compliant, right? So it might not be the most optimal process, or it might require people to do something that they don't want to do. But right? you have because to do it's it. Unpleasant, but they have to do it, right? So conformance analysis is a way to uh, upload your reference process, right? mm-hmm. ideally in the BPMN format, because that's what it was invented for. Sure, sure. And uh, your tool does then a comparison and shows you well, how compliant are you, right? Mm-hmm. And that could happen in multiple ways. That could uh, go that you see some statistics, you know, you see, oh, yeah, 60% are not compliant, and it shows you some reasons. Mm-hmm. It's obviously beneficial to do this. Uh, or um, it could plot it out over time, you know, yeah. to see if you have progress. Uh, or you, which I like, to come back to the visualization point. Yeah. 
it could overlay it on your process explorer. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You know? So you, you basically <laughs> look at the, the diagram that you saw before, and then you see the degree of uh, conformance. And it's like, whatever, green steps or red steps or whatever the, the, the color coding will be, if you're yeah. compliant or not. Yeah, and I think that there's a those those going to help you with a couple of different scenarios, right? It's going to help you both with compliance from like a human action perspective, mm -hmm. so you can resolve that with learning and development, or you can you can learn from the community and help to create a better process that is more human centric. It also helps with deployment validation. Mm -hmm. Is our automation working the way that we expected it to? And conformance checking is taking automation. And comparing it against expected automation. Yeah. So it's a perfect way of emerging out some of those, you know, hangers on and technical debt pieces that you've maybe forgotten about yeah. and helping you to quickly resolve things through interaction with IT, through interaction with enterprise architecture. Those are really good tools you can use if you have conformance. And uh, for somebody who actually doesn't know where to start process improvement, they also could give you a hint. Right. So yeah. if they list the non-conformance issues and say, oh, yeah, your process should start with X, but whatever, 20% start with Y. Right. So to stick with our example, the process doesn't start with a purchase rec or a purchase order being created, but it starts with an invoice received. Right. Yeah. That obviously makes uh, JM, the accountant, scratch his head. Right. What do I do with that piece of virtual paper? Right. Should yeah. I pay it? Why do I get it? And all these things. So. Conformance analysis could give you a first hint of your potential future improvements. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that the, the, that that ties in to the next piece of the puzzle is that your platform needs to be able to, and your process mining platform needs to be able to, to morph itself to match the kind of analysis you need to get out. Mm -hmm. And we, you talked before about this idea of prepackaging a bunch of analyses. And I think that's a really important point. You need to start from something, but your tool also needs to be able to merge with your existing framework for analysis with in the form of custom dashboards, custom mm -hmm. visualizations. You need to have the ability to make it work for your company because your company will not look like others, will not look like the expected. It will have its own way of doing things. Without custom dashboards, you're going to be left guessing as to what the impact of the stats you're seeing is on the KPIs you actually care about most. And that's, there's two philosophies here, right? Sure. Uh, the, the one that I like is you build it in one tool. Right. You have a process sure. mining tool. You have what I mentioned before, a hypothesis, why things don't perform as they should. But you build in your tool the validation or rejection of that hypothesis. Uh, there's another school of thought that says, well, there's an overlap between BI and process mining, as we discussed in the first segment. Yeah. So let's be able to export the process mining uh, content into a BI tool, into your Power BI. right? Okay. And then you build all those dashboards in Power BI. Either way, that's implementation. I think it, yes. it just doesn't matter, right? What's important is that you have the capability to show those uh, custom things, the answers to your questions in a consistent way. Yes. Having said that, to do this, JM, obviously there, there might be some data that you get from your log files and there might be some data that's not in your log files. How do you handle those things? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like that that your data only tells half the story, right? The way in which mm-hmm. you use it and aggregate it tells the other half. And a lot of my customers come with the same question is, I don't have this field calculated. Can your tool do it for me? Or do I have to change my data sourcing to be to allow process mining to give me insight? And if you've got a good process mining tool, the answer is the first. Our tool can do it in tool. Because I know there's a lot of thoughts on you should keep your data as clean as possible at the source. Sure, I get that. But there is some information that that source just isn't going to capture. And having it be manually redone in Excel every time seems like a terrible idea. You want in-tool calculation to be able to aggregate information across what matters to you so you can display it in those particular dashboards. I would see this in two flavors. And and maybe that's the bridge between the two opposite sides that you just uh, described. Um, I agree. There's a need to calculate stuff, right? Hmm. I think it should. You should be able to do this in a visual interface, right? You should. You as a user should not be forced to go and uh, do the calculations by whatever doing SQL queries or Python or R or whatever programming language, because that's outside of the scope of the regular business analyst, right? But the question is, do you do this in the tool and it's captured in your process mining tool or do you do this as part of your data preparation? So because at the end of the day, we all know process mining projects, 70% of the time you spend or even more, you spend in schmoozing the data, right? Right. So that you have a column available that you can show in a widget on a dashboard or whatever whatever you do with it. Um, I think the criteria should be you should have the... Um, ability to calculate those things in a visual way. Mm. And then it's depending on the tool, if it happens in the tool or if it happens as part of the data preparation. But what you should avoid is, oh yeah, you need to do this in programming style and, and whatnot. And there yeah. are some some really nice open source tools to get the little hint to our <laughs> previous episode. There are some really nice GUI-driven um, data schmoozing tools out there. Yeah, but the, the thing that I, I want to try and avoid is having to redo data transformation every time. I know that there are some open source tools out there that allow you to do that automation of data transformation, but it it's also really handy, never forget about mm-hmm. it, if your process mining tool will just sort of take all cumbers and then within its, in, its data processing, mm-hmm. its data display, all those sorts of things, the transformations and calculations are done all as part of that package rather than having to, you know, Frankenstein together a couple of different tools. It would be a very handy feature. Once again, if you can do that calculation in tool. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, I don't want to Frankenstein together. I, I really hate that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you make the distinction between the transformation Right. For example, create a case ID and all these things, right? Transform the data versus calculate it. And what I'm saying is the requirement should be give me the ability to do this in a GUI driven way so that I don't have to do programming. Yes. I, I agree that absolutely. The more, the more you can make it business user friendly, the mm-hmm. more you can get business users to be on board with it. Yep. And I, I think that that probably all the features we wanted to talk about today. Anything else you wanted to talk about as a feature before we get into the integration side? There's one, and I'm unhappy to report that, that the tool that I'm working with doesn't do it. Uh, I like the idea, well, new feature request, we get this done. <laughs> yes, uh, I like the idea of packaging things and make them reusable. 
Mm. Right. So if you could go and say, hey, I built this analysis for a client on this data set and I have my dashboards and I have my calculations and I have my transformations and all that stuff that took the huge effort to create. Well, if you could abstract this and then mm-hmm. export it in a way that it's reusable. Patterns and templates. The next time I get into the same situation, think about JM, you and I worked on a, on a project for uh, incident management, right? Yep. Based on ServiceNow data. How many organizations use ServiceNow? <laughs> right? A ton. Oh, a ton, thousands right? of them. Yeah, and they all have thousands. the same question. So if I could take what we did in that project and could package it and could reuse it in the future, that oh, yeah. would be awesome. And some, yes. some tools do it, some don't. You know, but I think that's definitely something you should have a look at because you might come up with that reusability need. (laughs) I think it's because we both come from consulting, Roland. Like, you know, the whole idea of consulting is once you've done it once, you've done it the number of times required to do it for everyone. True. So everything only has to be started once. That is true. Well, Roland, there's one more thing we want to add to this list, and it is all about telling the future. I know, predictive analysis. Tell me a little bit why it's so important, what it is, and why that feature is going to change how you use process mining. Yes. I think it's a very, very logical question. Um, We're living in the age of computers, as you might have heard, right? We're living in the age of machine learning and AI and all those wonderful things. Um, And I think it's a very fair question to say, okay, I have a bunch of processes in my data that, that have not completed yet. So the logical question is, well, how long does it take? Yeah. Right. So that you can plan. And that if your prediction says, oh, it will take X months, weeks, days, whatever the, the criteria is, that you can proactively trigger an action, as we discussed in the first segment, right? Mm-hmm. The little layoff veneer to fix, not fix the process, but to help out with the execution. Right, which could mean if you see this and you have a case and what it actually does it, it compares the steps of the case to similar variants that it had. And it says, Oh yeah, because I see this pattern, I predict that the next step will come in this sequence and in this time frame. Mm-hmm. So if you see this already, you can do something that, that sounds completely minority report like <laughs> uh, you can predict the future and you can say, Oops, that, that, there's a risk that this is going south, right? Yeah. Obviously, you want to avoid this. Well, and, and of course, adjunct to that, which you sort of mentioned, is the last piece of the puzzle, and I think our conclusion for the features today, which is this idea of insight to action or execution management, is that your process mining tool can trigger stuff. Mm-hmm. So it can predict the future and or make a sort of a, a guess at the future. It can trigger actions in automated tools that could include notifications of people to try and change the stars before things go off the rails, or just in general, you can integrate it into your existing workflow. So process mining becomes one of the things that manages the, you know, the execution of contracts or the, the ability to create new opportunities in Salesforce or things like that. Like there's, we, we see lots of use cases of people using this as a, as like insights to action, execution management. There's lots of ways people might call it, but it is the integration between process mining and process execution. And just to keep in mind, this is not improving your process. No, this is just fixing process deficiencies that you might detect in your data, right? Either looking in the past, 
you know, what happened there, looking at the current one, or we run over a certain amount of time for this activity or for this case, or looking into the future to say, oh, we think this will go south. And I think this is one of the aspects that process mining will evolve in the future. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that this is a full replacement for any automation tools that we spoke about in no, the first no. segment. Uh, and certainly not yet. And I think that also automation tools play a, a bit of a different role. This is just tying that in. So l- l- let's put a cap on the section. I, I know it's a lot of information for folks. Hopefully you've been uh, taking a look at maybe the article associated with this or just having an opportunity to sit down and, and, and walk through it in your mind as well. These the features we talked about at Process Explorer and the ability to visualize processes and, and slice and dice it, take a look at happy paths and variants, the ability to look at root causes, the ability to control and manage uh, how you evaluate conformance, um, looking at different types of dashboards, including custom and, and tailored dashboards for you, you know, in-tool calculations, um, the ability to export and import solutions so you can retain the work you've done, as well as predict- predictive analysis and the connection between process mining and different forms of process automation. Lots of great things, um, and there's probably lots more you'll see if you go to the, the website and, and take a look at some of the things we've written. But in the meantime, we want to leave you with a quick question uh, as we cap off our second section and go into our, our last of conclusions and the end states of process mining. What does it mean to do integrations? What does it mean to buy the thing? Um, and that's that's all about what where are you right now? What do you need to do to get yourself ready for process mining? So what, what are the value cases from the features we've talked about? What, what does that create for you? you and your stakeholders? How are you going to engage with them? How does your organization need to prepare to leverage these features? Which ones I mean, Which ones might resonate with your stakeholders? And let's try and build a case and think about a value case for introducing process mining to you and your organization. We'll leave you for a moment and we'll be back with our last section for the show. Welcome back to the last segment of this show. And we're going to talk briefly about the different integrations you want to have and look at when selecting a process mining tool. And JM mentioned it a little bit in the end of the last section that you need to play well with others. Um, But I think there are four different uh, integrations that you want to have and look at. And in short order, it's the data import, which is a big Mm -hmm. topic. And JM, we're going to talk about this. It's the integration with other mining tools, especially task mining. Yes. Uh, it's the integration with your design platform. Yep. And then obviously it's the integration with your runtime execution. Yes. So JM, let's start with the first one. Talk to me a little bit about the integration with the data sources. What have you seen there? That's a great question. I mean, here's here's the truth. Your process mining tools need to have automation around data ingestion and they need to be flexible to go to where the data is, meet you where the data is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen uh, tools that hit against APIs, very common to pull information out through APIs. A lot of ERPs and business rules engines and these sorts of things have APIs that allow you to hit against tables for execution logs. So mm-hmm. API connection is a very common thing. Um, secondly to that is often data lakes. So there's lots of great ways you can pull information about data lakes or databases. Um, which contain this information. So we're seeing less and less um, 
as much of a pull on direct API connection. A lot of these systems already dump their data in data lakes. There's a, there's lots of reasons why data staging is often a, a, a feature of security architecture. We'll mm-hmm. have a, we have an episode coming up on that. But um, the idea of pulling from a data lake or a database, how do you grab that information? Um, so you know, once again, automating that process. And then oftentimes it's even simpler than that. I mean, the very simplest form of all this stuff is something like a CSV file, so flat file ingestion, um, which could be a manual process or automated process from wherever it exists. And and to stick with the analogy from our first segment, you know, it's not the Mercedes, Porsche, BMW that you need those no. live connections. Maybe for your projects, it's plenty enough information that you get an export from the runtime system and you use that as your baseline. Yeah. And and do your process improvement. Well, think about it like this. Why would you have a living process, right? Why would you have automation for a data ingestion? It's if you have a longer running conversation that you expect the data to change. Mm-hmm. And you expect it to change in a fashion that's going to be hard for you to keep up with. Whereas we see a lot of organizations are looking at single serving. I, I talked about this in a, in a webinar I gave that gave this sort of mode one process mining, which is you have a data set, you ingest that data set, you analyze that data set, You make decisions on that data set. That's mm-hmm. mode one. Very simple. You don't need a living process connection. Conversely, mode two, this sort of strategic long-term vision, this continuous improvement, you absolutely need automation around that because the manual effort required is going to become annoying. It's fraught with risk. And it's one of the things that, that is going to make it simpler and easier to access all that information without having to continuously jump through hoops. And it's the same thing if you will, when you think about the solution design, you know, the solution architecture phase, your your future state design, if you would say, oh, but I need to have all my processes in a repository before I even can start with improving a single one. <laughs> I think that's that's a similar thing. Oof. You know, it's, it's like uh, firing with cannons on little birds. I don't know what you say in English about this. But that's an odd German expression, but yeah. I, I, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I think I think it's important to keep the perspective. And as we've said many, many times on this show, yeah. sometimes good enough is just good enough. Mm-hmm. But let's move on. The, the next integration that you should have a look at is um, integration with your task mining tool. Yeah. Right? Just because uh, task mining is so critical for when you have gaps in your process to get the full picture of the process. If you mm-hmm. have, for example, steps that are done in Excel or steps yeah. that are done in Outlook or whatever, any system yeah, yeah. that does not create um, log files. So that would be the first thing that I would look at. Some vendors claim they have this. We had a whole episode around how task mining works with little bots and all those things yeah. and all the big brother scenarios that that might come in, which is a problem <laughs> in itself. But you want to have a look at task mining for completeness and you want to have a look at task mining if you want to have a more detailed analysis Um what might be the cause why mm-hmm. an activity doesn't go as expected. And the other thing about integration with task mining tools is it tends to imply the maturity of your vendor. Because mm-hmm. even if they don't necessarily, even if you're not necessarily looking to use it right now, task mining might become more of a thing. And knowing you don't have to switch vendors midstream in order to introduce capabilities that you now need but didn't need off the bat Yeah, so that's a big value. So look at vendors, ask them about how they work with task mining. Also, process mining, task mining, two different things. I would argue that task mining, is it cannot be your only source. So process mm-hmm. mining and task mining need to work hand in hand. 
Talk to your task mining vendors too. Ask them how they work with process mining. You're looking for mature solutions that allow that integration to be seamless. I wish there was a standard for this. Me too. Yeah. Oh, me too. That, I, I, like a mining interchange format? Yep. Let's do it. Let's introduce that. You and me, the, the, the W-Y-B-M-I-F. What's your baseline mining interchange format? Here you go. Now go geek your heart out, JM. Um, the other thing that we want to talk about is JM, obviously, is the integration with your architecture tool. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one we talked to, we spoke a little bit about as a, as a feature, but really your, your process mining tool should populate a, a library of artifacts. Usually those artifacts come in the form of processes, but they can come in the form of other things like the discovery of which roles or users are involved in processes. So it should be populating your architecture tool with the information it gleans from your task and, and process mining logs. Those mm -hmm. should inform your process models in particular, but also your libraries that go along with it. And, and this is, I cannot stress this more strongly, those elements should have the ability to capture the statistics that you have found from process mining in architecture. It's, yeah. it, it's really important because that'll feed into things like consumption, things like simulation models, things like all, all of the different in-process modeling and excellence efforts you're going in. You need to have stats, and those stats can't exist only in process mining. Yeah, and what I've seen is exactly that point, right? So I've seen uh, integrations, quote unquote, where vendors put the process mining uh, app into an iframe, right, and show it in the app, which is better than not, right? They're right. not having it, but it's just the first step. I think the next step is, like you said, is transfer that data, live data, if you think about this, mm -hmm. right? Um, into your design platform so that when you do the redesign of your process, you actually see this without switching from your edit mode or from your, your design mode into another tab, into another app or whatever to get the latest and greatest. Yeah. But I have not seen that being implemented anywhere, but <laughs> it's a short thing to think about this. You know, I think it's much harder to, to actually do this. Yes. And then, of course, the other piece of the puzzle, Roland, I mean, talk to me about the uh, the other integrations that you're looking to specifically for automation. Yeah, you, we said it before in the last segment, right? It's that uh, ability to trigger actions um, that could be as simple as uh, when a certain threshold is met, uh, like the case takes too long, an activity takes too long, or number of frequencies is too high or whatever, right? That you can uh, create a webhook that your automation tool picks it up and you trigger a notification. So are you, know, you saying like, process mining is a replacement for automation tools? No, of course <laughs> not. We said that multiple times. No, it's the it's that little layer of veneer on top of it right. that helps in the day-to-day -day avoidance of chaotic um, situations. Right. Yeah. Or preventing that something goes south. This doesn't re, uh, design your process. This doesn't re automate your stuff, but you still need it. Exactly. Right? Again, if something is mission critical, you know, the house is on fire. That's great that you just discussed. If you have a new garden landscape remodeling, <laughs> right? I think the activity hand is to take a bucket of water and try to, uh, uh, put off, uh, put out the fire. 
Right. And I think that that's something that's really important about process mining and process automation in particular, is that I feel like a lot of triggers like the if this, then that style triggers in, in dashboards and in automation tools that exist are based on statistics or like specific characteristics that they can see, which is like a direct analysis. So mm -hmm. this has a timer that counts once it reaches a number it sends an alert or it does a thing. Process mining triggering process automation is a little more intelligent because it actually lets you watch the whole process flow and it can do a series of characteristics in combination about how the execution has progressed that lead to a very specific integration. And predicts. Exactly. Future. Yep. Yes, that's the one. So, so in summary, I think for, for integration, I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, you know, Integrate with your source systems, integrate with other mining tools, especially task mining, uh, integrate with your design platform, your architecture tool, and then uh, the capability to trigger actions based on what you see in your process mining. Yeah. There are a couple of other things, but JM, I know we're running out of time we here. So <laughs> maybe just a bold statement. Um, obviously, everybody asks, well, what should I pay for it? Right. right. My advice is... Um, of course, it's important, right? There's different pricing models. You know, some vendors just charge for the user. Some charge a combination of different things like a base fee and storage and computing and extraction and whatever, right? Some of them uh, just charge you by uh, the number of cases that you have, right? Yeah. Or a combination of thereof. Um, be prepared that, especially in the situation where we are right now, everything is new, it will be expensive, yeah. So this is something you should really, really think hard about it um, when you choose your vendor about mm, what can I afford, right? And mm -hmm. what's the best process to apply this and where does it make sense to do traditional process improvement uh, yeah. methods? The second big thing that you want to keep in mind is when you do this for the first time, those tools are not necessarily self-explanatory. So yeah. you might want to budget some money for somebody who has done that before. So take... Uh, the offer, quote unquote, that your vendor does with professional services or an external consultancy. Remember the episode that we had with Jakub yep. on this with people who've been down that path and have done it and budget accordingly. Yeah. And I think that the most important thing to talk about in terms of pricing is that the pricing by vendor may vary wildly, but you can try and find a way to uh, harmonize that pricing with what you expect your data set to look like. So for instance, if the, if you have a lot of different processes you're looking to evaluate, you know, let's say you're, you're going, you know, you're looking at your order to cash and purchase to pay or procure to pay or hire to retire or, you know, all these sorts of things you're doing all these different processes. You've got a bunch of them. Uh, don't try and go for a vendor and expect a cheap price where they charge per process. And, and to be quite honest, this will go down. Process mining in a few years will become a commodity, which is yeah. not there yet, right? And in the beginning, things are expensive. That's true. But to bring this episode to a conclusion, <laughs> um, because we're babbling for way too long, and I hope it was interesting <laughs> for you, um, maybe just some, some information. So I wrote an article on whatsyourbaseline.com about how to choose a process mining tool. I learned from our conversation that I have to go back and re-edit it <laughs> and put a couple of things in there that are currently yeah. not there. But obviously I will put uh, the uh, link to that article into the show notes so that you can read it. And uh, hopefully you didn't take notes while you were driving. Yeah. But the other thing, one thing that I obviously 
would ask you uh, all the time, if you liked what you heard, go tell five of your best friends about the show. We grow nicely, but we like to grow more. And the best thing I can imagine is word of mouth. Forget the algorithms, even though JM tells you that at the end of each story here. <laughs> uh, forget about that. Tell your friends and let them know that you listen to a nice podcast and we would be happy to get more people on board. Yeah. And the other thing is we always ask people at the end of every show or with guests, how do you reach us? Well, we haven't talked about how do you reach us? So you can get us through whatsyourbaseline.com or what's your baseline, uh, the company on LinkedIn or Roland. I'm sure people, you'd be happy for people to reach out at LinkedIn, Roland Volts, W-O-L-D-T. And I'm happy for people to reach out to me at, at LinkedIn.com. And I'm J-M Erlinson, E-R-L-E-N-D-S-O-N. Feel free to reach out to us, you know, like us, follow us, you know, give us a message. We'd love to chat with you a little bit more about what the topics we've been talking about are and anything else you want to talk about in this in the show. Or to make it super simple, send an email to hello at whatsyourbaseline.com. That's true. Well, thank you so much to everyone for listening to this. And I'm looking forward to more amazing discussions and, and explorations of some of the topics and tools and trends that we see as part of our, our ecosystem in enterprise architecture and business process management. But until then, my friends, I've been J.M. Rollinson. My name is Roland Volt. And we will see you in the next one.